and I think the other thing is too, is you don't know how they're going to come back. I know that a lot of people are saying, well, the sacrifices that military people make when they're overseas and possibly, you know, something happening when they're overseas, but there's also another element of the dynamic shifts a lot when they come home. I want you to imagine that you just got married and you have this dream for the future. And then a few months into it, your spouse throws a curveball at you, the ultimate curveball, because they say, I want to quit my job. I want to leave my career. I want to go to the military. And because I'm going to the military, it's going to radically impact your life too. That was such a significant moment in Danielle's life that it changed her future and set her on a trajectory to helping others figure out this work-life balance, helping women find a way to have the dream job of their future. I am thrilled to introduce you to my guest on this episode of Unbeatable, Danielle Kobo. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life. You're listening to Unbeatable with Jeff Struker. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to bring you my guest today, Danielle Kobo. Thank you for joining me from sunny Tampa, Florida today. Oh, thanks for letting me join, Jeff. I'm, it's an honor to be here, an honor to be a guest on your show. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for some time just because of how amazing your story is. But I just got to point out for those of you who are watching this podcast on YouTube or Twitch, you can see this. But if you're listening, you're missing out on this amazing studio that she's got set up in her home. Wow, you look like a pro, Danielle. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. You know, it's been fun working remotely. It's been a little different, but I believe that when you make your space your home, it's something to look forward to. So if I'm going to work from home, I want to look forward to going to my office. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Make my home office a place that I like to work from. Yes. Hey, by the way, um, we're I'm broadcasting this from my office. You're you're coming in from your home. Um, normally, I would do this in the studio, but because of what's happening with the COVID numbers around the country right now, we're just trying to isolate as much as we can. So thanks for being willing to do this thing over Zoom from your home. Yes, no, I, I agree. It's going to be a little bit of a peak going on this January. And so we get to be careful and mindful and still do this remotely. Yeah, let's hope by the time that this thing airs that we're on the downside of this wave and we're almost at the, the finish line. Let's just hope that's where things are around now, about yeah. now. Um, hey, let's talk a little bit about um, the family that you have in your home. Um, let's talk about your husband and about these two incredible children that God's blessed you with. Um, talk about your husband and how long you guys been married. So my husband and I have known each other, I gosh, almost 16 years now, but we have been married. We'll be going on nine years this March. So nine awesome. years we'll be celebrating. Yep. And my husband and I, when we got married, eight months after we got married, he decided to close down his business. He decided to get out of corporate America and join the military at 32 years what? old. <laughs> How old was he? He was 32. So oh, if you can imagine- goodness. Wow. This guy who is 32 years old, newly married, going through basic training. <laughs> I can only imagine what it was yeah. like from, from the you know 18-year-old, 19-year-old's perspective. But um, yeah, he he had a calling. He had something where he said, you know, he had been kind of chasing the career and chasing corporate America, kind of chasing the dollar, but nothing was really fulfilling to him. And so after we got married, I said, okay, well. And this is what you want to do, then go for it. And I can go into a little deep, deeper on the limiting beliefs I had on that one. But um, yeah. yeah, after we got married, uh, he joined. And then now we are blessed with two uh, four-year-old, so four-year-old twin boys. And I say that they have the bloodline of an adrenaline-seeking Blackhawk pilot as a father, and then a very passionate, driven mother. So our house is busy all the time. There is yeah. no doubt about that. <laughs> that combination is like uranium and plutonium <laughs> waiting to become a nuclear explosion in your house is what you're describing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is them pretending that the floor is lava. They're jumping around from couch to couch. That um, sounds already had awesome. a broken foot. I mean, you know, it's just going to be chaos. <laughs> hey, I just got to know what was life like when you had twin boys that were eight or six months old and both of them awake at the same time in the middle of like how much sleep cool. did you get as a mama no, of a young boy? None. None. So yeah, yeah. So we um our boys were born six weeks early. So when they were born, they were put they were in the NICU for 17 days. And then when they got home from the NICU, one of them came home with a, a heart monitor. And then <laughs> Um, I had some complications with my pregnancy. I ended up being in the emergency room. Oh no. Yes. With gallstones. But here's the kicker to this, because I really say that life is preparing you for that next phase, whatever challenges you're going through are preparing you for that next phase. Yep. And so here I am in the hospital, it's a Wednesday and the surgeon's telling me, okay, you need to have surgery. You need to have your gallbladder removed. You're, you know, you've had gallstones. And I say, okay, well, then pops up on the news, Hurricane Irma is coming towards Florida. So two weeks after they got out of the NICU, I'm in the emergency room and Hurricane Irma is coming what? towards our house. <laughs> so good gracious. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting time to say the least. But so my husband gets activated to move helicopters from uh, Tampa uh. up to the north. And I look at my surgeon and I say, you know what? I got to go home. You know, I got a, we got a hurricane coming. I don't have time for this baloney. I got to, I'm a mother. I got to go home. Exactly. And the doctor looks at me, he's like, well, it's not a matter of, you know, if you pass gallstones again, it's a matter of when, so you're going to have to come back and have this surgery. And I said, okay, well, I get it. Um, so I go home. I have some friends come over. We board up our entire house. I've got one, one newborn on a heart monitor. I've got a generator that I've bought off the side of the street gas cans that we poured when we're running out of gas across the whole state. We're like supplying yeah. our house. Um, and we're originally from California. So this is our first hurricane. <laughs> and um, yeah, Hurricane Irma went right over our house. We lost power for four days and we're staying in this hot, sweltering, you know, middle of August or September in the middle of, uh, yeah, in this hot house boarded up with these two six-week-old preemies. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we started as first-time new parents. And from then, it was just really a world when I don't remember much of the first six months because, yes, quite frankly, I didn't. Because you were just sleep. basically a, a zombie the whole time. You were essentially yeah. uh, a walking, asleep while you were sleepwalking. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a matter of survival. Plus, on top yeah. of that, I suffered from severe postpartum depression, so I cried every single day. I just wasn't necessarily all there. Um, which, looking back, I mean, it's crazy to think that we went through all that. But again, I think that some of the challenges we go through in our life they shape us into who we are. They sh oh, they yeah. prepare us for that next phase in life and. As difficult as it was, I felt like that that time in my life prepared me for when my husband deployed when they were a year and a half years old. So yeah, I was just thinking, Danielle, if you can survive those first few weeks with your twins at home, then as a parent, you can pretty much handle anything, right? Yeah, it definitely. Um, I said gave me the strength and courage to know that if I can survive that, I could pretty much survive anything. Yeah, which means you and your husband should have like twelve more children. You guys are pros at it now. <laughs> yeah, no, we're done. We're done. It took All right. Us okay. Years All right. To have them, and we're a little bit older, and these two are a handful enough. Yeah. But no, I love them. I love them dearly. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm ex I'm thrilled to to hear about your family. I want to spend a few moments talking about that. Um, switch that your husband pulled on you right out of the gate, brand newly married. So you met him, sounds like you had a long re a relationship with him before you got married. And what you knew about him was in corporate America. Is that right? Yeah. So we, it's, it's interesting. We, we refer to our relationship as rounds <laughs> because okay. first like together, rounds in a championship fight. Exactly. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, our first round we dated right out of college, we dated for a few months and then we ended up going our separate ways, dated different people, then came back together for a second round, then went our opposite ways. And then finally 
round three, third time's a charm. It really took us right timing, right place. We always had a really close relationship and a friendship. I married my best friend, but it just wasn't the time earlier on in our life. And when we first got together, you know, he was, he would start to go on these president's trips. I would, I would earn these uh, president's trips with my company. And a lot of the people that were there were in the military or former military. Yeah. And he had expressed, you know, I've really thought about the military, but I don't necessarily, you know, know how to navigate through that. And at first when we were dating, I was, I was going, yeah, absolutely do this. If this is what you want to do, I will support you a hundred percent. And then he proposed. Um. And so when he proposed a week after he proposed, I had this moment of sheer fear here. Here I am, you know, 30 years old and I had just purchased a house. I'd been in my career for 10 years. And you're telling me that you want to join the military and relocate us. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And no. by the way, you just said you were a rock star in your career, knocking the ball out of the park year after year, getting recognized for it. Right. Yeah. You know, I had worked for a good company. I had just come back from four back-to-back -back president's trips and I had just stepped into a leadership role. Wait, you met four presidents? No, no, no. That was a joke. I know that. <laughs> like, I was like, this is the female version of Forrest Gump right here. Oh, I wish. I wish I could meet four presidents. That'd be nice. Um, yeah. So I had earned four top performers where you're, you're invited to go on these beautiful, lavish vacations. And then from there, I had stepped into a leadership role for a fortune 500 company. And so I had just gotten that role and I was like, wait a minute, I have worked so hard to get where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. And you're now telling me that you're going to join the military. Wait and a the man of my dreams who was, you know, sweeping me off my feet, just threw me a huge curveball. Yes. So at first I supported him. And then a week after he proposed, I said, you know what? I, said that I would support you. But the reality is, is like, this is really kind of throw me off. And I don't necessarily mm -hmm. know if this is the route that I want to go. So if you don't want to get married, I completely understand. This is me switching, you know, switching roles a little bit, yeah. switching what I had said. And so if you don't want to get married, I understand. And he said, okay. And you know, no, I want to marry you. So we ended up getting married. And I knew though, as you know, eight months into the marriage, he just wasn't happy. There was something missing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you're not happy, you know, we spend one third of our life working. So if you're not happy doing what you do, then what's, what's worth living for? Why do it? Right. Yeah. Why do it? <clears throat> and so I said, okay, don't let my fears, um, don't let my fears stop you from pursuing what you want to do. Let's just take it day by day. And, you know, interesting enough, he joined the reserves because we thought that we uh -oh. wouldn't relocate, you know, very often, of course, right. you know, we relocated three times, but, um, but yeah, so he joined the reserves and, you know, he left, um, I think four months before our one year anniversary. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want to point out to people who don't know your story. You did really, really well in business working at a fortune 500 company but you didn't start out that way. Tell, yeah. us, uh, tell everybody about a little bit about the humble beginnings and about your clothes in a garbage bag <laughs> before you actually start to get to the point where you're, you're reaching uh, sales goals and you're, you, you're making enough money that you can buy a home. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I think that all of us come from a different background and it's what, you know, the different backgrounds that we come from is what shapes us into who we are. Mm -hmm. And I believe that you're, greatest, your biggest challenges become your greatest strengths. And that's kind of where it got me to where I am today. You know, when I was two years old, my mother, um, who I didn't know at the time, she suffered from bipolar disorder, but my mom kidnapped me from my father. So they got divorced. And then my dad showed up one day to our house and I was gone and we, she moved us away. I thought growing up that my dad abandoned us. I thought that he married somebody else. I thought he chose another family. So I grew up with a lot of insecurities. I grew up, you know, having some kind of deep, painful scars of, am I worthy enough? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I, you know, people don't love me. So I grew up with a lot of insecurities. And then when I was, um, 
15, I found a letter that my dad had written to my mom because he was still paying child support, even though yeah, even though she uh, she literally kidnapped you. Yeah, she literally kidnapped me. He found out where I was, but she wouldn't let him see me. And and then basically it got to the point where his lawyer said, like, look, you can continue to fight for her, but the reality is, is it it's not going to turn out well. So yeah. you get to pick what's best for your daughter or for no, you know, and he, he and I talk about it pretty openly, but so I find Do you have a good relationship with your father today. Yes. Now we have a very good relationship. So yeah, we have a very That's good beautiful. relationship. We've had a relationship for about 10 years, which has been really, which has been really nice to kind of get to know him and yeah. my past. Um, but I ended up meeting my dad when I was 15, I found a letter that he had written to my mom. I wrote him back and all of a sudden he shows up at my school one day. It's my sophomore year of high school. He shows up and principal brings me in and says, wow. there's a guy that says you're, he's your dad. It's like, oh, okay. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a very emotional day. Uh-huh. Um, but for a 15 year old girl in school. Yeah. For a 15 year old girl in school who thought that he abandoned us. Right. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that our relationship started right off the bat because I still thought that he left us. I didn't find out later about my mom kidnapping me until probably 10 years after that. Um, but then two years after that, my mom and I had gotten in a, a quarrel. We'd gotten in a fight. And I, like I said, my mom suffered from bipolar disorder. You never knew what you were walking into when you walked yeah. into the house. And so I get kicked out of the house. I pile all of my clothes into these four trash bags, which for anyone that knows me, I was in high school. I used to write down what I wore each day. So I wouldn't wear the same. <laughs> you thing. kept a journal oh, yeah. or a, yes. a, a yes. spreadsheet. I did. And I, yeah. And I organized my clothes. I mean, it just goes to show you just kind of the person I am, which mm -hmm. I think is funny. I was like, okay, survival mode, put them in trash bags. And I would stay at different friends' houses every couple of weeks so that I can still go to school and still graduate. And I was also working full-time. So I started working full-time when I was a junior in high school and I was and I was, you know, working while in high school, while rotating through different people's houses so that I can graduate high school. Basically homeless. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't say homeless. Cause I, you know, I, I think of homeless. I think of somebody that truly doesn't have anywhere to stay, you know, they're, they're staying on the streets, but I, I wasn't able to go home. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good emotional, mental environment. So I was able to stay at different friends' houses. Yeah. That's what I meant by homeless. Like you don't have a home to go to. You got a friend's house that they're mm -hmm. allowing you to stay, but man, that's unpredictable and very uh, scary. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't know, you know, I thought about, could I get emancipated by my mom so that I could have the legal rights to make the decisions for my own. But I was also kind of only a year out and that process would have taken by the time I turned 18, there was just a lot of uncertainty at that age. And there was a lot of you know, am I going to be able to decide? I, I remember one of the school counselors telling me, like, if you don't go back home and amend things with your mom, you're not going to amount to anything in life. And so that's what I was told. Wow. And it was at that moment where I said, you know what, I'm not going to let other people tell me what I know is best for me. And me being in that environment is not a good situation. So I literally just took it one day at a time. That takes a lot of courage. I'm, I'm impressed, Daniel, because it takes a lot of courage to not listen to the voice of the air quote experts and to uh, when they're telling you, you got to go home and patch things up. And in your heart, you know, no, that's not good for me. In fact, I'm going to go do something different and I'm not going to listen to those ex air supposed experts. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah, I, I second guessed myself a lot during that time. Um, but, you know, then it's, it's reminding yourself that we don't always see what happens behind closed doors. So maybe these people thought they knew it was right, but they weren't seeing what happened behind closed doors. Um, and it happened to be that that particular night, my mom and I did get in the altercation where, you know, I, I was hit across the face. I was pushed down the stairs. And I was like, that's just not an environment that I want to go yeah. back to. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a matter of, it, it was, it was really a matter of just trusting my gut and kind of going for it, not knowing that I even knew necessarily what to do. I just kind of took it one day at a time. Well, it sounds like as a 16, 17 year old girl, anybody else would have been overwhelmed by those kind of circumstances, but you don't let it hold you back. You're unbeatable. 
Um, and I'm, I'm really impressed that you start working, you've got a full-time job while you're still in high school. And it's no surprise to me that you'd be winning sales awards and going on lavish vacations um, because of uh, how hardworking that you are. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it, it was funny. My, my husband and I were talking about this the other day and we were talking about what's that it factor and why, you know, some people put my husband is, I, I say my husband and I, I have the awards and he's got the degrees. My husband's got an MBA and he's and together you guys are the whole package, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I always tell him like, if I had only put as much effort as I did in working as I did in school, I probably would have excelled more at school. Mm -hmm. But to me, working was freedom. Working, if I made money to support myself, I was able to then decide for myself when it would be a good living environment or not. So to me, it was a matter yeah. of survival. Yeah, basically it provided independence for you, that uh, the income, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about one of the most difficult assignments or jobs a person will ever go through. Um, listeners to this podcast know about me. They know about my military background. They know about the many years that I spent in the U.S. Army. Um, I'm, what they may not know is one of the most challenging moments of my entire military career came the day that I returned back from my first combat tour. So let me describe this for you, Danielle. Okay. Um, I, was a, I was an enlisted guy, a sergeant in the army when the U.S. invaded Panama in 1989. And I took part in that invasion. <clears throat> and the invasion was wrapping up pretty quickly. I mean, this was one of those wars that didn't last more than a couple of weeks. I'd only been down in Panama for about 10 or 12 days when my big boss, the commander, handed me a stack of letters. These are handwritten letters to the families of rangers that were killed in action. Oh. And he said, Jeff, I want you to return to the United States. I want you to hand these letters off to my adjutant. And I want you to send these letters back to the families immediately. They need to hear from me. So I came back from the invasion of Panama earlier, way earlier than the rest of my buddies. And I mistakenly agreed to a meeting. Now I'm a single guy, been in the army for a few years. I've been around the block. Almost everybody that I worked with was married and their spouses wanted to know what was happening with their husbands in Panama. So they said, Jeff, you're back. You just left my husband a couple of hours ago in the war, in the invasion of Panama. We wanna to talk to you and we wanna find out what it was like. No exaggeration, Danielle. This, uh, I met in one of their living rooms. It was the, the wives of all of my buddies. Um, and I'm a single guy just getting back from combat, you know, still trying to adjust to, uh, you know, coming back from my first combat tour. And this meeting lasted for like eight hours. It went till oh. early in the morning. And I just got peppered with question after question about what is he going through and what is it like and how is he handling it? And for about seven hours and 50 minutes of those eight hours, it was a room full of women that were just crying uncontrollably as I tried to explain what was happening to their husband. And it was the first glimpse in my life of what life is like for a military family. Like the movies and the news, man, they do a great job of telling everybody what it's like for a soldier or an airman or a sailor or a Marine, but they don't tell you what it's like for their families. And you are an expert on military families. So your husband, you get married, he's not happy for eight months. And he throws the hard curveball at you and says, I just left the job and I'm joining the military and I'm leaving to go to basic training and flight school. I'm going to be gone for months. Mm -hmm. And you're thrust into the life of a military wife. Didn't ask for that job, but you just got it anyway. Mm -hmm. And then your husband goes on a deployment to Iraq. Can you talk about this combat deployment where he's in Iraq and you're at home and this is your um, crash course in being a military spouse? Oh, wow. I mean, first, I, what you were saying and what you were brought home to do is touches the heart because that's, 
it's an interesting perspective coming from the military spouse. And you're right. I think that that a lot of movies show what the service member goes through, or at least a glimpse of it, right? Because I don't know what you guys go through over there as well as you, as well as you do. People have been over there. Um, but not a lot goes into showing what the spouses go through and, and really what the kids go through. I think that's a whole nother level oh, of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I remember when my husband first told me that he was going to be deployed and I was terrified, you know, he shared with me that he was going to get deployed. Our twin boys were about a year, a year old when he told me that he didn't deploy until they were about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And immediately I started thinking of like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, obviously I love my career. It's a big part of me. And so I'm like, how am I going to have this career where I'm traveling 60% of the year and I've got my kids and I want to be present for them. And, you know, and then also staying up at night, worrying, is he going to come home safe? Is he going to come home at all? Like, you know, I don't know what he's going through. And, um, I would say in the beginning, I almost quit on myself before I even started what our journey was going to be. I almost quit my job and just said, I I can't do this. I'm just going to kind of like walk away from everything. Um, until I said, okay, wait, I'm not going to, I'm going to take it one day at a time. And I think that if you're going through extended periods of time where there's challenges in your life, no matter what it is. It's a matter of putting, taking each day, one day at a time, yeah. putting one foot in front of the other and knowing that and reminding myself that that year was temporary. It wasn't going to be the rest of my life. And so I could either go into that deployment and, and just automatically quit myself and say, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna be able to do this, or I can say, okay, I'm going to take it one day at a time and I'll evaluate as I go through this, what I can do, what I can't do. Yeah. Um, I think some of the biggest challenges or what was really hard was I would say watching my kids and them, them, um, not knowing what's going on. They don't know why their dad's gone and they're asking where's daddy or, and, you know, I think about like, that was the age that my dad and my, that my was pulled away from my dad. So it was really important to me that I tried to include him. If he couldn't physically be there, um, I tried to include him in everything that we did. You know, I had him record videos of him reading books and we had those little daddy dolls with his voice. (laughs) And at that age, their car seats were facing reverse. And so in the Uh middle of the car seats, I had a picture of him and I together, like holding hands so that they physically saw us holding hands. Um, And just trying to incorporate them in any way that I could. Um, but it was, it was hard. It was hard to sleep at night when he wasn't in the house. It was hard. You know, you didn't know when they were going to call. I distinctly remember several times that I would call him and it was around the time that the bases were getting hit a lot by rockets, which was not, was not shared in the media. You know, you know, here we finally take somebody down and, you know, everyone's in an uproar of, oh my gosh, she's, you know, this Mm -hmm. person is hitting all these missiles. I'm like, well, wait a minute. They've been doing this for months. Cause I've been on the phone with him and you hear this incoming, incoming, incoming. And I don't know what they say, like duck or cover, or take, take shelter. And, and that's the, you know, the radio going off saying there's a missile coming in. And there's multiple times I was on the phone with him when that yeah, was, you him. heard that in the background. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, I would hear And then it would, and then you would hear this and this bang in the background. And then you would hear take accountability, take accountability, which is take accountability for yeah. everyone around you. I know you know these things, but for the listeners. No, for the, for yeah. the listeners, they need to hear yeah. that. Yeah. And these are things I never thought about going into it, but it's what I would hear on the phone. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I was probably one of those wives where I didn't ask a lot of questions kind of out of sight, out of mind. Good for you. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's, you know, why am I going to worry about things that are completely out of my control? I yeah. just went into the mindset of like, he's going to come home and, and think positively about it and just pray a lot, a lot yeah. of prayers. Did you know before he left that this was going to be a year away in Iraq? Yeah, I knew it was going to be about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to just 
say publicly, tell your husband, please, on behalf of the entire unbeatable army and the whole listening audience, thank you for flying Black Hawk helicopters and for serving our country and for doing what he did. Um, I really want listeners to hear what you just said, though. When you have this thing that's in front of you, this dark cloud that's looming in front of you, and in your case, you and your husband both know this is going to be a year apart. Our children are young and formidable, and they're going to, they're not going to have their daddy around for a year. That year can feel overwhelming, like there's no way I can do this. Yeah. So I picked up on, I want to make sure everybody else picked up on just how brilliant you are in trying to approach this deployment instead of taking it as an entire year. You just decided I'm going to get up and I'm going to handle tomorrow one day at a time. And then the day after that, I'm going to handle tomorrow. And the day after that, I'm going to handle tomorrow because I believe a year is too much for anybody to handle. But one day you can handle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is definitely taking. And in addition to taking it one day at a time, always, always having something to look forward to. So if I was going to be, you know, I was still traveling every single week. So I was gracious. Wow. My, I was very grateful. My in-laws, my in-laws relocated to live by me. So that was a huge support. There was times where I would be gone for a manager's meeting one week. I'd come home for a week and then I'd be gone for another week for a national sales meeting. So I would fly my parents out. <laughs> like, Good, hey, gracious. Yeah. Grandparents want some quality time with your grandkids, you know, and, and it's also changing your perspective on that, right? Because mom guilt and being away. Oh, from yeah. I, I can't even imagine. It would tear me apart. And then at the same time, I would remind myself, wait a minute grandparents aren't going to be around forever. Just like we're not going to be around forever. So how amazing is it that my parents get to have one-on-one time with their grandkids? They live on the West coast. We live on the East coast. My in-laws, they get to be with them every single week. And they have, my kids have such a bond with their grandparents because of those times that they got to have one-on-one. And that's also part of that shift change as well in your mind. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, taking one day at a time and, and picking something to look forward to. I know that every yeah. single week I'd be like, okay, we're going to do something fun this weekend. So <laughs> I would tell my kids like, yeah, we're going to go to the zoo. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. And I would always have something fun to look forward to, um, each weekend. Yeah. I'm, uh, very few, uh, military families that do the children have the ability to develop that close relationship with their grandparents, just because of distance, like the military keeps moving them and grandparents are a long ways away. And so they don't get a chance to see each other like your children did. That's a hidden blessing in the middle of that challenging year, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I am extremely grateful for the fact that my in-laws moved out here. And it's one of the reasons why I try everything I can to, to somewhat stay in this area yeah. because that's, it's a unique bond that they have. Well, I can't help but think there are people listening to this right now and they're like, yeah, whatever. It was hard while he was gone, uh, but you were able to make all of the decisions. And I don't think that they understand that as a military spouse, you now have to become mom and dad and teacher and school, uh, you know, school bus driver. And you have to become the nurse and the disciplinarian and the, you know, the you, you have to become it all, not only become it all, but you have to do it every waking moment of every day and in your case you've got a high demand uh job that's asking a lot of you too and frankly danielle most people guys or gals just wouldn't be able to handle that kind of stress especially when we talk about wedding anniversaries and christmas and birthdays that's when it just really becomes overwhelming yeah, I think so. In the nine years we've been married, I think we probably spent like three anniversaries together. Yeah. Either at basic training or he's at aviation, right. whatever it is. Um, the hardest, I think the hardest day for me was Christmas morning. Um, Christmas morning, Christmas is very special to me. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to have that family environment. Normally, I spent Christmases at families and friends' houses. And so I always wanted that that day that I get to have with my kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, when my husband and I got married, we made a big deal of it. We would make mimosas and pancakes, All right. and lavish breakfast. And it really hit me Christmas morning when it was just my boys and I'm going, this is like the special day that my husband and I have always wanted. And he's not here. 
And that's when it really hit hard that he was gone. And um, I think a lot of the other times I kind of kept myself so busy, but in that moment, you're not keeping yourself busy. You're at home. Yeah. And that's, and that's also something to think about too. You know, when you have young kids and your spouse is deployed every Friday, Saturday night, I was at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just there's no going there out clubbing. Yeah. There's no going out clubbing. You're just sitting there in your thoughts. <laughs> well, I want to applaud you for keeping dad in front of your sons while he's overseas to include photoshopping him into the Christmas picture, right? Tell everybody about this picture that goes viral on the internet. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm a, I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. I actually decorate the weekend before Thanksgiving. Um, we watch nice. Grinch all year long. Um, but yeah, so I, I reached out to him and I said, Hey, would you mind taking a photo of you standing in front of the helicopter with your hand out? And he's like, well, why? And well, don't ask questions. Just don't ask. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Come on. Listen to your wife. Um, <laughs> and he did. And then my boys and I took a picture of, um, I was holding their hands and they have their hand out. And I went on Facebook and I said, is there anyone that has Photoshop skills that can help me merge these two pictures together? And that in itself was an experience to see yeah. a community come around. I probably had 25 people come back at me and say, I'll do it. I'll do it. And people were just making, they're fighting these, each other for it. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of your, um, a lot of different um, variations of that particular image, that picture, but we ended up choosing one, make it part of our Christmas card. I post it, send it out. And all of a sudden this thing goes viral. And, you know, I've got the local news station interviews me. We get interviewed by Fox News, which that was an, an incredible experience. Right. We were on ABC World News. And I think that was really nice because it the holidays was the most difficult time, but that at least was a glimmering um, light during that time. And we always have that to remember, to, to remember by. Yeah. Danielle, I still think that there are people that are hearing this and they're like, oh, okay, whatever. It was hard, but I've gone through some hard things as a spouse as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't want this to, I want to linger here for a second. So you and I didn't talk about this ahead of time. But what those people that are saying, yeah, it was hard, Danielle, I get that, but I've gone through some hard things as a spouse too. I don't think they understand what it feels like as a military spouse when the phone rings at one o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. the terror in your heart before you pick up that phone. So can you describe the fear of the phone call mm -hmm. the entire time your husband's in Iraq? I think a lot of times it's, you don't, I think a lot of times people don't, they avoid unblocked callers, right? They, if it's a private number or unblocked, you avoid those calls. But when you're a military spouse, you answer every single call because you don't know who it's going to come from. Right. And, and even in that moment, actually, um, when our Christmas card did go viral, I remember, um, you know, somebody knocking on my door because it, it was a, the news station that wanted to enter me, but I didn't know who it was. So I think that every time you get a knock on your door, it's terrifying, right? You're, and you're not expecting somebody you're wondering, is this the knock? Because when they do notify spouses that there's, you know, that their spouse has been killed in action, they come physically. It's a knock on the door. Yeah. It's the knock on the door. So I think that that was that was what I was most fearful of. I knew that if something were to happen, yes, a call would come, it would be the knock at the door. That would always get me. And I also avoided a lot of TV shows, movies yeah. where anybody was getting hurt in the military, things like I avoided all those shows that year. Um, but yeah, you just, there's, there's an aspect of just a lot of unknown when they're gone. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the other thing is too, is you don't know how they're going to come back. I know that a lot of people are saying, well, the sacrifices that military people make when they're overseas and possibly, you know, something happening when they're overseas, but there's also another element of the dynamic shifts a lot when they come home and, and being able to navigate through that as well was, was something I didn't anticipate. My husband got home from his deployment and two months later, the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a continuous journey. Um, I want to uh, just let you know, uh, and I, by the way, I don't know if I've even shared this with the unbeatable audience, that I am so impressed by military families. I really believe that the military family has it more difficult 
than the service member does. Now, the service member, it's more dangerous, but it's yeah. a little bit easier because it's just you and the enemy. And today I got to fight to survive. That's dangerous. But the military family, no question in my mind, has it more difficult in a combat deployment than the service member does. And I don't know if you're aware of this, Danielle, for the last several years, I've been on a, a little personal crusade to convince enough people that we need to do something to honor the military family, that what I'm trying to accomplish, I didn't have a chance to tell you about this ahead of time, is to create a monument in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. on the National Mall for military families and recognize the sacrifice and the service that they've made to our country because nobody knows about them. They're the hidden uh, servants of our country that nobody knows about, you don't hear about on the news. Yeah, I mean... They're the they're the the member that makes sacrifices without wearing a uniform. We're not easily spot yeah. out. It's not like you know, you don't look at somebody and go, oh, well, that's a military spouse. Right. And I, I remember a moment when I had dropped my husband off for a deployment, and I remember I was driving home and I'm you know in tears. I'm like, I'm of not gonna course, barely able to see the road. Here. Yeah, and I'm looking around, going, no one has any idea what I'm going through right now. No one has any idea that I just dropped my husband off and I'm not going to see him for an entire year. And that's when it really hit me. I think the sacrifices that military spouses make that I didn't even know, you know, I, and you know, we yeah. make a lot of sacrifices, but it's not until you're in that moment where you're going, wow, this is a life that most people don't experience. Um, and I think it's great that you're honoring military spouses and you're creating awareness about um, the things that we do and, and yes, we're not putting ourselves in that physical combat. I acknowledge that, you know, there's sacrifices that you guys are making because you're physically out there and you're putting your life on the line. And what our sacrifices are is the emotional sacrifice and yeah. that plays out in your body in different ways. I mean, there's definitely, you know, you're, you're, there's times when he was gone where I'd lose a lot of weight. I'd gain a lot of weight. I would, you know, have ulcers and things like that. Yeah. This is the stress that's taken out on your body. Um, and just that emotional, um, just kind of emotionally comes out on you. Yeah. Um, I, I try to remind people there's danger associated with combat for the service member. There's difficult for the military family. And what I learned the night that I returned back from my first combat deployment, deployment is I would rather be shot at by the enemy than stay at home and have to go through the difficulties that a military family goes through. I've never forgot it. It's stuck with me forever. And I've gone through many, many combat deployments thinking about what was being asked of the families back at home. There's a famous poet um, from hundreds of years ago in England who made a statement about military families. John Donne said, they also serve who sit and wait. And he was talking about military families. And he said, sitting at home and waiting for that service member to come home is a form of service. And I want to say it's probably more difficult than it is to actually be in combat. It's not as dangerous, but it's definitely more difficult. And I just want to uh, uh, say to you as a military spouse, thank you for the sacrifice that you and your sons made for our country. Well, thank you. And, and for your listeners that are out there, and um, I had a coworker that said the same thing because he was, he was in the military, his wife is in the military. He ended up getting out and he said this he said something very similar he's like it's always harder for the person being on at home because he's been on both sides because when you're out there you're in the moment and you're that's what all you're thinking about right there's that there and obviously very dangerous but he's like when you're at home there's so much you don't know what's yeah. going on and all you're doing is just sit around and waiting um but for the listeners out there there is you hear a lot thank you for please tell your husband thank you for your service and I, and I always pass it on and I always, you know, acknowledge that. And for the people that are out there that say, thank you, thank your husband for your service and thank you for your service. It always hits the heart a little bit deeper yeah. because it's like somebody gets it. Maybe somebody's yeah. heard of what it's like to be the military spouse um, or the kids. You know, I think about the kids. Yeah. I said yes to my husband, my kids 
they didn't choose this life. They yeah. didn't choose for their father to be gone for a year. So, um, for the people who are out there that think the family members, it, it really means a lot to us. Yeah. It really does. We don't hear it very often. And so when we do, it really warms our heart. Yeah. So I want to just say, if you are, if you see a guy or a gal in uniform and their family is with them, don't just thank the person in uniform. Thank, recognize the family that's with them too. You're, you're hearing it from, uh, straight from Danielle today. Yeah. Danielle, you've taken some really hard experiences, some challenges, and you've turned it into kind of a successful podcast and uh, coaching people on how to have the dream job and the future that they want. So can you tell everybody about the Dream Job Podcast? <laughs> yeah, so I I have a podcast. It's called Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. And it's a podcast. It's really focused on empowering women. It was really cast for women equality and equity which excited about um but yeah it's empowering women with the tools on how to have a thriving career an abundant life and it's a lot of the lessons that i've learned through life of you know how do you survive a husband deployed with a year and a half year old twins with traveling 60 percent of the year and it's you know lessons that i've learned through my life that i share on the podcast as well as i have some incredible guests um on women who have overcome adversity and have leveled up their career. And so each week we release an episode and it's, I get to meet incredible people, which I love. Yeah. Well, uh, as I was preparing for this episode with you and being aware of how you're helping people find the dream job and have the life that they want. Um, I was doing a little bit of preparation and a little bit of research. Um, the listeners know that I have this segment that I like to call a high five. This is my way from Georgia of giving you like a virtual high five all the way in Florida. Um, but I was thinking about, okay, you're helping people have the dream job. But what about those people that are right now saying, I'm in the nightmare job, like I have one of the worst jobs in America. And I was thinking, we really need to talk about them for just a yeah. second. Like, I want to recognize that there are some people that are saying, I wish I had the dream job, but my job is a nightmare every day at work. So I did a little research. Okay. And I tried to figure out what are some of the worst jobs in America right now today. And this is Jeff's unofficial list. Like, I came up with this list, but I do want to admit, maybe some people have this kind of uh, lifestyle right now. And in just a moment, I want you to talk to them about how they can try to get work and life back into balance mm -hmm. and actually have a future that they're looking forward to and not something that they dread. Okay. So are you ready for the top, my top five I want to hear. Nightmare I am jobs? so intrigued. Okay. Here it comes. Um, number five on my list of nightmare jobs is a school bus driver. Because I can't imagine having to cart all of those children that are going bonkers from the time that they get on the bus to the time that they get off all the way to school with people that are looking at their phones and crash, trying to crash into you all the way to school. I can't imagine no, having no. to do that every day. I have barely a patient for my twins, let alone yeah. 20 to 30 kids yeah. on a bus. Having the lives of children in the backseat while people are staring at their phones and trying to run you off the road every day, mm -hmm. all day long. That does not sound like fun. Right now in the middle of pandemic, number four on the list has to be a anybody in the food industry because the food industry is struggling with supply chain shortages oh, and people are hungry and I gotta eat and the price of milk and meat is going through the roof. And by the way, the line at the drive-through of the fast food restaurant is so long that it's gonna take me 45 minutes to get through. I just, I would not wanna be in that industry right now. Number three on the list is the radio DJ. Like Ooh. nobody, nobody knows who you are. You're the celebrity that nobody knows who you are until you open your mouth. But the worst part is when you open your mouth and they recognize the voice and they start to put together who you are, they just hate you because you didn't play their favorite song every day, all day long. <laughs> so you really can't ever do anything right. You can only do wrong as a radio DJ. That's my, I, my thoughts of a nightmare job. I think of a job that's like a prison sentence that you get up and go to every day. And I'm literally talking now about correction workers that have to get up and go to a prison every day and guard prisoners. And your job is a prison because you actually do have to work in a prison. That's got to be like number two on the list. But for me, 
number one on the list has to be like the hotel cleaning staff. I can't imagine what you walk into every day, all day long, when you walk into those hotel rooms oh. and see the absolute disaster waiting for you every time you walk in a door. Yeah, no, those are definitely some miserable jobs. And, and as I said, you spend one third of your life working. It's important that you enjoy yeah. what you do. I am in agreement with you on that. The hotel worker, I would take it a step further. Um, anybody that's like a janitor cleaning bathrooms, because after having uh, two boys learning how to use the potty, <laughs> oh my gosh, it is yeah. disgusting. Right. What I clean up on the bathroom floor. It is I mean, I wear a gas mask at that point. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I would say that anybody that is cleaning up bathroom and, and a lot of people too, when they're cleaning up the bathrooms, people just walk by them. Oh yeah, right. they're just, oh yeah. Can you, they just, they're cleaning up the, say, hey, have a nice day. Yeah, at you least know? thank them for making the bathroom clean and presentable for you. Clean, you don't even want to take a step into the door. Yeah, if I'm in a bathroom and somebody is cleaning it and it smells good, I look at the bathroom attendant. I said, "Oh my gosh, it smells good in here. Thank you." Yeah. I specifically say that because yeah. you know that's nice. extra effort. Yeah. <laughs> hey, true good. story. Uh, I'm not making this up. I was just having a little bit of fun with these nightmare jobs. But true story. USA Today did a survey of the worst jobs in America, and it talked about stress and pay and work hours. Do you know what number five on the list of worst jobs in America is? I'm not exaggerating. Go okay, out and look curious. it up. It is an enlisted member of the U.S. military. Really? The stress yeah. and the pay and the work hours make it one of the worst, by the statistics that they looked at, yeah. makes it one of the worst jobs in America because of all of those things collectively. Did that for about 13 years. I can attest to the pay and the hours and the stress. But I also loved it, man. I love the mission. I love yeah. the, the people that I worked with. Okay, real quickly. The military um, for the pay. There's no doubt about that's that. That's right. Anybody who joins the military for the pay, there's something slightly wrong with you. Maybe you shouldn't be in the military. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the last few minutes that we have left, you do a great job of helping women have a better future. Mm -hmm. But you also described being a mom mm -hmm. and being successful and having a career and the pull that that has. And I can't help but think there are millions of ladies, millions of guys as well, that are struggling with this. I, I know I'm supposed to be giving more at work, but it's gonna cost me at home. And if I give more at home, it's gonna cost me at work. And Danielle, you don't have it all figured out, but you have coached some people along here. So give some advice to those people that are feeling this tug of work and family. Mm. That tug is always there. And, and you're right. I don't have it perfectly, mapped, perfectly mapped out. And I would say if there's anything I would say is know your time know your worth and be intentional with your time and set boundaries. And I would say that there's ways that you can say yes, while also saying no and setting boundaries. So in the sense of if somebody is constantly reaching out to you and saying, Hey, can you help with this project? But maybe you're looking at your calendar and you're going, I don't have time. Don't continue to add more to your plate. Say something like along the lines of, yes, I can help with this project. I have something that's time sensitive now that I'm working on. So can we schedule time next week to work on it? Or, you know, um, if somebody says, you know, can you attend this event this weekend? Uh, and maybe you're just going, yeah, I'd like to go to your kid's birthday party, but flat out I'm exhausted. You know, yes. there's times where you're just like, you need to fill up your cup. You need to be that oxygen mask on first so that you can take care of yourselves before you could take care of others. And so even just saying something along the lines of, you know what, I have a commitment that day. Maybe the commitment to is to yourself. You don't need to explain that, but you have a commitment that day. And thank you so much for the invite. Um, really setting boundaries and, and not over, not putting too much on your plate and giving yourself some grace. And my yeah. kids, my kids the other day gave me a valuable lesson. I was noticing that I was, you know, stressed out and I was really short with my kids. And then of course, as soon as I'm short or I'm patient, I go into beat you up. feel mode. like a terrible mom. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm a terrible mom. I've been yelling at them and I'm horrible. And I'm in this self beat up. And then the next day, one of my boys comes up to me and he like gives me this warm little snuggle and he goes, mommy, you're the best mommy ever. And I broke down in tears and I was going, 
it just goes to show you the perception that we have yeah. our, of ourselves may be completely different than what other people have. And so really acknowledging, are you in self beat up mode? And is that yeah. really the perception of what other people have of you? So I would, if I were to say anything, it's, it's set boundaries. It's um, give yourself some, some grace. Um, you know, when my husband was deployed, I didn't work out because what was more of a priority to me was sleeping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now that he's home, I make time to work out. So give yourself some grace that different, different things are going to be different priorities at different times in your life. And there's going to be peaks and valleys when you're going to have a lot on your plate and not so much. And, and when you're home, try to be home, try to put your phone in another room. I it's really, we touch our phone on average about 200 times per day, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. We spend about six hours on our phone. So a way to eliminate that temptation is I put that phone in the other room. So I'm not tempted. So I can be present with my kids. Yeah. Hey, aren't four-year-old boys the best? Oh, I, we didn't know what we were having. We knew we were having twins, nice. uh, but we didn't know what we were having until they were born. And when I found out I was having boys, I was like, well, what do I do with boys? <laughs> I don't even like boys. Yeah. What's this? I am so grateful. I'm a boy mom. They are mama's boys. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. They're mama, mama, mama hang on to that because they become 14 year old boys and they don't want anything to do with anybody. Yeah, no, I am, I am, I am loving as, as hard as toddlers are as hard as the, you know, some of the temper tantrums and, you know, they will be site. They are going to be leaders mm -hmm. one day because they're very passionate, but I love being a boy mom. Yeah. Um, I want to just say thank you for your very practical advice. While you were talking just a moment ago, I was thinking there are people that really needed to hear what you said, and that is make time for yourself and be very intentional about your schedule. I really think there are some people, though, Danielle, that really struggle saying no at work mm -hmm. because they feel like it's going to make me look bad or I won't get the promotion mm -hmm. or they just have this anxiety about not living up to somebody else's expectations. I didn't even plan on doing this. So I want to give people a free piece of advice. Here's mm -hmm. something that I recommend people do who struggle to say no. Schedule time, literally put time on the schedule for yourself and for your family. Don't budge on your schedule. But here's the free piece of advice. When somebody calls you and says, hey, I need your help. Can you help me work on this project? Look at your schedule and tell them, hey, I'm sorry, I can't do it because I've already got something scheduled. They don't need to know that what you have scheduled is mommy time with my four-year-old boys. Yeah. They just need to know I got something scheduled and your junk isn't more important than what I have on the schedule. I don't need to tell you what's on the schedule. Yeah. That means you don't have to lie. You don't have to come up with some elaborate scheme to get out of work. All you just do is say, I already got something scheduled. Love to help, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And spend time, mommy time with your four-year-old boys. Spend time with dad and his daughter at the lake and put it on your schedule so that you can tell people, no, I got something else scheduled. Love to, but I can't be there. Yep. Put it on the schedule. If it's not on the schedule, it may not happen. So you're more, it's almost like your accountability to yourself and, you know, make yourself a priority. That's so important. And if somebody, you can still say yes to things. You can say yes while setting boundaries. And the more that you go into the reasons why you can't, you're actually going into self beat up because you're feeling guilty about it. So just being very direct. Yes, I'm happy to help you with that. Next week's not a good time. I already have commitment. How about the following week? Something along yeah. those lines where you're still saying yes. So yeah, just don't even tell them why you can't help no, it or don't tell them why it has to be next week. Mm -hmm. And people don't want Great excuses advice. anyway. So you just say, yeah. I have commitment. See, that's why you're so smart at helping people have the dream job uh, that they want. That's why you got a whole uh, uh, internet full of followers trying to figure out how to have the dream job because you figured this one out. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it has been an honor, literally, to have you on the show today. I've been looking forward to this. Thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to be with me. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you, Jeff, and to uh, join in this conversation with your, with your listeners. It's been gracious. So thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing and spreading awareness around military spouses. We all really appreciate it. For the people that want to know more about you, want to know more about your podcast or what you're doing, how do they get in touch with you? Um, great question. So for the people that are listening, it's Danielle and then Kobo is C-O-B-O. -O. So I always say, think about the Kobos are going to Cabo. It's the differentiator. People always want to put an A versus an O. So C-O-B-O. -O. 
Um, and then also I'm on very active on LinkedIn. So that's where I'm most active. And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram um, as well. So, and then my podcast stream job with Danielle Kobos on iTunes yeah. and Spotify. And I'm going to tell everybody, go check out her podcast and, and give it a listen. Thanks for being with me today, Danielle. Thank you. Man, you just heard some great practical advice from Danielle, especially if you're one of the millions of people trying to figure out how do I have a family and have a career and not have to sacrifice both in the process. And one of the things that she recommended is just take it a day at a time when it gets difficult. If you really wanna be unbeatable, instead of trying to tackle your entire challenge all at once, get up and just tackle the challenge that's in front of you today. But the other piece of advice that she gave that I think was brilliant is to make time for yourself. Because if you don't make time for yourself, you're gonna end up being the terrible spouse, terrible parent, and terrible employee all at the same time. Man, I am so impressed with Danielle and the way that she's handled the stress of being a military family and raising children and having a successful career all at the same time. I wanna say thank you. I always wanna just say thank you for those of you who faithfully listen to the Unbeatable podcast, but maybe you've stumbled across this episode for the first time. If you're new to this episode, new to this podcast, why don't you go ahead and subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. In fact, if you like what you heard today, you can go ahead and rate us and tell everybody how awesome this episode was. And you can also follow us on social media. Just search for at Unbeatable Podcast and go ahead and follow us on your favorite social media platforms. While I was in the military, I really wanted to help people that were struggling, both the service member that was overseas and the family that was at home. So I created what I called a survival guide for the military. And I've taken that survival guide and I've customized it and made the unbeatable army survival guide. If you wanna get this thing, it's absolutely free. I'll give it away. All you gotta do is just simply go to my website and register for the unbeatable army survival guide. Go to jeffstrucker.com or I'll make it even easier for you. Go to unbeatablearmy.com fill in your information and I will give you this unbeatable army survival guide. Thank you for tuning in this week. Can't wait to bring you next week's guest. See you back here next week.